Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. As many of you know, looking around, I think we're all pretty much on the same place that we've been going through the life of Christ uh, for some time now and have quite a bit ahead of us as well. Uh, but today we're going to take a short break, as we always say, when the Holy Spirit has something else, we're more than happy to stop and dig in. And so today we're going to be digging into um, what we call Vision Sunday. The different churches um, mean different things when they talk about Vision Sunday, depending on what your past has been or your tradition. For us, it's generally just kind of seeing where God has us, where he's had us before, what seems to be where he's leading us next, and making sure we're all on the same page as Christians individually, but then Christians coming together to make up the church. And this type of mentality is one that comes up um, in kind of a circle of fashion. That is kind of like the Beatitudes, where we talk about where you're, going, you're going up the steps and it kind of circles back to the beginning and then you're continuing to grow as you're keeping the cycle. That same kind of thing happens when it comes to us kind of seeing where the Holy Spirit has us at any particular times. Uh, and we've done that several times as a church. As a matter of fact, uh, JT was asking me earlier why this construction bill, I've got to get the construction bill. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> you still talking about the bill or me? Right? Okay. I did not steal that, but thank you for thinking the least of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, please walk, I'm walking in, yeah. Uh, no, this, this is an old friend of ours, and it was kind of, kind of cool. But like, no, JT was asking me out, and I, uh, he says, why do you have Bill? And I said, I was making a necklace, and I don't think he believed me on it. But uh, we started, uh, actually, we just passed our 18th anniversary about two weeks ago, being open to the public. Yeah. Uh, which means I just passed a couple of weeks ago my 18th year of pastoring uh, the Shepherds Fellowship. And when we first started, uh, we started out with this kind of mentality, where does God have us and where is he leading us? Uh, we could, didn't have a lot of past with us at that point. But when we started, we were at the Marion Racquetball Club. And um, I know Scott and Kerry and Jenny and I were at the Racquetball Club. Was there anybody else that far back? Okay, yeah, and I got a picture of your parents sitting in there. Tony? Okay, so Tony, come up here and tell them what this is all about. <laughs> That's okay, nobody else remembered either. Uh, uh, the, um, no, we first saw was upstairs in the Mary Mackinac Club. I still love that location. Our band did not like that location because we had to carry in and carry out each week. And then on top of that, we uh, had to take everything to the second floor up a tight spiral staircase. So they, they didn't like that part of it. But we, we were like being there, and um, when we first started, we had this exact uh, construction bill um, and an, another like pipe, uh, cone-type construction and like construction tape around and stuff. And our first season was called Under Construction. Um, and it was so that we didn't take ourselves too seriously, definitely too fast, where we all still kind of had our own past and our own traditions and those type of things, but that we knew that whatever goes on, we're going to be under construction. As a matter of fact, I did, uh, so Mike is earlier, I got seven of these at that time from this exact same company. By the way, shout out to Steve Ruth, our original worship leader. This has been in his barn, and he bought it to me yesterday to help out. Um, and I'm not giving it back. But the, uh, 
we got seven of these from the same company, and I gave one to each leader and said, this is like our first tangible, like what Mike's been doing with these tangibles. Um, was remember we're under construction as leaders who under construction and I, I still have mine on my desk i have no idea if any of the others exist 18 years later or not but that was kind of our starting point and one of the main things that we continued to say doing that is remember this season never stops we're always going to be under construction we can't take ourselves so seriously that we think we've got to figure it out or that we've got the right system and this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's got to be God. He's always going to be shaping us, much like what Mike was talking about with the, the jaws of clay um, aspect of things. And since then, we've continued to go back. Now, again, nobody remembered this one, but you might remember some of the others. We've gone through series like uh, Divergent over the last 18 years, uh, Revival through Nehemiah. Uh, it was our Christmas one one time. It had nothing to do with Christmas. We just put snow in the background on the uh, little slide. Uh, reboot, I Want More, New Beginnings, Vision Sundays. It's a continued process through the scripture for us to make sure where we're at, where we're going, and what God's doing. So that's why we keep committed to it and continue to go for it, because we want the fullness of God, right? In our lives and in our church, we want the fullness of God. We, it's like that book I talked about, Good is the, opposite, is the Enemy of Great. We don't want good. We want great. I was uh, meeting with a youth group kid, not all youth group kids, a youth group kid that I had back in 1984, and she's now coming up on 40 years old. Um, and we've stayed in touch all these years, and we get together, and we were talking about some things, and I was sharing with her, I said, I just I, I really want the fullness of God for you. That is very best for you. And she goes, I'm okay. I said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying be okay. I'm, I'm saying I want just the fullness of God for your life. So that's why we go into times like this. So I'm going to talk a little bit. It's almost uh, some of this, the elders we've been talking about, getting a family meeting uh, up and running because we haven't, uh, if you've not been around, a family meeting is our version of a business meeting. It's just not corporate. It's just family getting together and talking about what things are at. Uh, a lot of this is kind of that, that type of feel. Um, but I want to share in some, some main areas kind of where things are at. I want to talk about um, dreams and visions. I want to talk about uh, what we're seeing tangibly in the house and then in some other uh, areas as well of what God's been doing over the last uh, year, two years. Uh, as he's moving us into some different areas. So uh, then we will get the scripture. I promise we will get the scripture. Everybody, as a matter of fact, if you really want to, I don't know how intimidated you are by scripture. We're going to be in Judges. That's a very different book of the Bible than a lot of people are used to. So if you want like a half an hour of my babbling time to find Judges in the Old Testament, it's like the seventh book of the Bible. But Judges 6 is where we'll end up. So if you want to go there and then put a bookmark in, you'll be good to go. But <clears throat> let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit about, I, I want to talk about dreams and visions first. Um, again, depending on your background, will depend a little bit on your understanding of dreams and visions or your comfortability with dreams and visions or your belief in uh, dreams and visions. Where, uh, you can easily find churches that believe less in dreams and visions than our church, and you can easily find churches that are much more fixated on dreams and visions in our church. But one thing that we have found over the last 18 years is he does communicate in a lot of different ways, and he will give his confirmation on things uh, when it comes to those dreams and visions of what he's wanting to communicate. Uh, and it also, again, you need to look for that wisdom and discernment through prayer and that confirmation. Uh, if it wasn't for dreams and visions, we probably would have been done year five. 
uh, through the confirmation and some of the things that he has done. So uh, th this has been a season where it seems like it's a little bit more prominent than it has been in the past. Uh, so if you've not really looked at these visions, um, th th there's a lot of dreams that you, that you and I have that mean absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you're, you're dreaming that Tommy showed up at your work in his boxers and a t-shirt, that probably doesn't mean anything. That's been reoccurring. The <laughs> there's a lot. If you have a bad burrito, Taco Bell it can kick out some crazy dreams as well, whatever the case may be. Um, so not all dreams mean something. We, again, we look for that confirmation. We look for the, uh, the things that are repeating. Uh, for instance, uh, a dream when it comes to our community, uh, so as I had one this week, actually I've had several dreams this week, most of them mean nothing. Um, but this one, and this is just kind of the process so that people kind of see what we're looking for. Uh, in this dream, I was in Kroger's, I was shopping, um, and this lady came up to me, and I didn't really know her by face in the dream or anything. Um, Angie's already laughing, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Katie probably said something, and you got in trouble. Okay. Uh, but in Kroger's and shopping, and this lady I, that knows me, but I don't know who. She knew me from like Facebook stuff, Facebook ministry stuff. And so she starts talking to me about something going on in her life <clears throat> for like some pastoral kill on the fly. And while I'm talking to her, and it's kind of an in-depth conversation, somebody else comes up, and it's somebody that I love dearly. I've known for uh, t 23 years or so, 24 years, um, that has gotten out of the habit of church, used to come to church here, gotten out of the habit of the church. And she came up, she's like, hey, Tom, you know, just kind of excited because, you know, who wouldn't be? And she comes up, and she's kind of waiting for this lady to get done, and she's like kind of being patient. And then another person comes up with their family, and this person I've known for like 30 years and never been to our church. Uh, but, but I'm talking to her a lot right now because she's going through not a crisis of faith with Christ, but a crisis of faith with her denomination. And, does, and, and like she's heavily involved. Her parents have been heavily involved. Her grandparents are heavily involved. I mean, it's like a heritage long-term thing that she's dealing with, and she's kind of waiting until, and that she kind of thinks, okay, this is, and you're trying to, like, not cut anybody off, and, and so she kind of says, well, we'll just talk later, and then, like, afterwards, I'm, like, trying to catch up with, with these two, because I didn't want to cut this one off to, like, get together and talk and all this stuff, but it's just kind of like a hectic moment. Um, so how do we d determine that? Does that mean anything? And, and for, for me... And praying through that and looking at that and looking at the past dreams that we've had, a lot of symbolism continues to go through. First, I always look for an old man or old woman. Um, we have seen multiple times uh, either my mom or an older woman, and this is not just my dreams, it's multiple dreams, that represent the Holy Spirit, or a man or my father that represents God. And uh, that was not in this dream, so that just goes to the side. Then it becomes, is it in this church? Is it in other churches? Or is it in the community? And I'm down, I'm shopping, right? I'm at Kroger. So this is, this is the ministry outside of the church walls. And just so you know, probably a good 30% of my week is ministry outside of the, the, these church walls. We're taking the work of the people off, of, off social media or whatever. And then there's uh, three main areas. The social media, the people I'm reaching out to that we haven't seen for a long time, and, so, and other people that are outside the church that might be future coming. So, God, you're saying something about all the ministry within the community, and it's growing, or it's building, or it's overwhelming for a season, whatever the case may be, and that's all I've got. I mean, it's not like, well, he's telling me then that we're going to grow to 500 people in a year, whatever. It just, just means that God's mindful about it. He's talking to me about it, so it must be doing something, 
it must be worthwhile or something. So it's something that now comes onto the radar. And I, again, that, that's, that's the best it is. Um, and I don't want to make it more than what it is. I was meeting with a brother this week um, who was part of a church family for a while uh, here in, in our community that he left because he was in the inner circle and they were teaching uh, each other how to make dreams and prophecies to talk about them either after the fact when there's verification. Don't bring them up if something doesn't come true that you think was going to come true. And sometimes when something happens, say those dreams and visions when there wasn't. And he left that church. I, we don't want to be those people. They have their place. They have their, their place. So here's some of the ones that, um, the categories are some of the ones if we group them together. Again, there's the, I think, community and the community within the ministry, uh, outside of our four walls. Uh, is there service? Is something that's a repeating thing right now? Um, I had a dream not too long ago, that was probably about a week and a half ago, where I was uh, working in the backyard of my dad's house, not the new house, the old house, the one we were at for 50, uh, 52 years or whatnot. Uh, and I looked up, and in the house and in the yard, there was a ton of you guys there. I, it was like surprised, surprised me or whatnot. I just thought I was doing you know, this project in the backyard. And uh, inside the house, outside the house, all working together, and, and service, you might be like, hey, Bill had a lucky day. He had a bunch of people come to work in his house. That's my father's house that we're serving together and that we're working together. So there's some things that we have there. Um, a lot of dreams take place in multiple churches, not necessarily ones we, ha we see. I do believe God's calling us to new levels of working with other churches, and I'll talk about that in uh, a little bit. Uh, kids are a highly repeating and the oldest repeating theme in our church is the kids ministry of the church. Um, one time I remember there was a visitor and came and was sharing with me, he just had a vision of this huge fountain out in the, the parking lot and it was just water was going everywhere and kids were having blasts and playing it and everything else. We just had dreams and visions galore about the kids of our church and the kids ministry of our church and I think God's going to be giving us some new opportunities and there he is uh, and challenging us in those areas. Because again, kids are not the future of our church. Our youth is not the future of the church. They are the church today, just as much as any of us. Um, and then I've talked to you before about the furnished rooms. That's a very repeating theme right now of being in a house and all of a sudden you find out that there's like four or five rooms in the house that you never knew were there. Had to be living there for a long period of time and you open the door and it's fully furnished, ready to go, glamorous, like awesome rooms. Uh, God's moving us in some pl new places that have been around us that we just didn't see. Um, so those are some of the things that have been kind of driving our curiosity and our prayers as we lean into it. And a lot of my prayers right now have been about opening those doors, just opening those doors. And I think he is. I think he is. Okay, so that's some of the stuff that just kind of lets you whistle a little bit. Let me talk a little bit about what we're seeing in-house. And you'll see some of these areas uh, coming up. But I think these are the things that we're, we're seeing, especially over, the, I think, the last seven or eight months um, that I think are pretty exciting. So, you ready? I'm going to use my notes because I don't want to miss a thing. Was that Aerosmith? Don't want to miss a thing. You, yeah, how am I back on that? Huh? That's it? Okay. Okay. Nate, you going to come sing with me? Okay. <laughs> Let's first talk about volunteers. I'm very excited about the things that we're seeing as far as people serving within the church and within the community, uh, with, within our church family. Um, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to all those who have been volunteering for a long period of time that are the foundation of that service. I don't want to just talk about the new things, but people have been working in the kids' barn forever, 
taken a working with the worship team for a long time. Uh, Jeremiah's been out there taking a working the, the the yard for us. Um, and you know, the, the, but there's definitely areas that we need some additional additional assistance as well. When you've been doing a ministry for a long period of time, uh, what I can guarantee is there's been times you feel underappreciated. There's times you feel unnoticed. There's times that you feel like nobody else cares. There's times that you get frustrated or angry and just want to quit. So to be able to be that volunteer in those roles for such a long period of time, thank you. That's, that's huge. That's huge to us. Sound booth, that's huge to us. Uh, all the people that are involved with that. But we're also seeing some new th- uh, movement when it comes to volunteering as well. Uh, we still have areas that we can grow, guaranteed. But we're seeing some new things I'm excited about as well. Um, I was trying, and I hate doing examples because you always miss somebody. But uh, we had Thanksgiving, was it Thanksgiving we had the testimony night? I think it was Thanksgiving. And um, if, if you weren't there for that, or if you haven't watched that, go back. In all honesty, if you just want to be really encouraged about what God's doing in our midst when we say yes to him as individuals, that was just such a powerful night to me. We had over 20 people. We just opened up the mic and said, just come up and share what God's doing in your life or what you're thankful for. A very, very powerful night. And uh, one of the, the people at night was Mike's wife, Amanda Russell. And I, and I just I remember just uh, she, she was sharing about starting to work in the kids' ministry. And she was saying that, and she, she's in a very common uh, situation. That's understandable, but also I, I do think Satan uses as a trap sometimes. We use our gifts and our talents and a lot of times turn that into how we make income. And then when it comes time to ministry, then we just don't feel like we're just burnt out for the week or whatnot. And she's a teacher, and she's a good teacher, and she cares about kids. She's with kids all week long, so it's kind of hard to get up the gumption and say, okay, I'll add a Sunday morning uh, to that mix. But she was sharing with us um, about her grandmother, right, in a Sunday school, and just the legacy that her grandmother left, uh, or still has, her grandma's still with us, um, but has this, this great legacy of all that she did and all the life that she impacted as a Sunday school teacher. So she kind of pushed back uh, through that, and she's been teaching with our kids. Um, I love that. I love when we can kind of push our comfort zones and push our, 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 our quick boundaries like that. Uh, Jessica and uh, Ferrotini. By the way, keep in prayer with the Ferrotinis and the Russells because pretty much he's the only one of those two families that's in the room. Everybody else is sick. Uh, so he's the contagion. Stay away from Mike. Um, <laughs> but then, and you did not, he purposely did not make the coffee so that you guys would not get sick. But he licked every cup. Um, <laughs> but... but Je- Jessica, again, she, she babysits all week, week long. She did, does great with the kids. I mean, that, that is basically her extended family. And uh, she, she decided that she was going to kind of start helping out. By the way, we need helpers in the kids' bump. We're full, fully done on teachers now, for now because Jessica was going to help. And then uh, Jessica said to me, I think it was two weeks ago, she goes, Miss Audrey got me. I said, what do you mean, Miss Audrey got you? Because she's not that tricky of a woman, even though... We've got a really good on a VBS thing. I said nothing. But uh, she's, at the last, like the week before, uh, Miss Audrey's like, well, what if you taught and I helped you? And so Jessica did. She taught last week. And then she ended up coming up there afterwards and said that she would like to start uh, teaching with the kids. Move out. So by, the, I don't know, end of this year, we should have the entire worship team over there now instead of, we're just stealing all your members, aren't we? <laughs> Lifey, yeah. Lifey. 
But I, I, do, I love hearing um, stories about that and seeing people moving. Uh, Amanda Howard's not here, so I'm going to talk about her. Uh, don't, don't tell her, Lisa. Don't tell her, no. Uh, anybody else that talks to her. Um, Amanda's, uh, how long have you guys been coming now? It's been about six months, seven months. Uh, and they came about the same time as the, the Howards, the same time the Howards did. And like many times when, when, when people are moving, she was, uh, she, she, her, her comments were, she, she loves church, she's always been involved in church, but she was kind of burnt out and just needed to rest for a little while, uh, which we get a lot in, in, in those situations. And say, yeah, just, just go, go for it and stuff. And she, I mean, she's gifted in working with kids. She's gifted with landscaping, those kind of things. And uh, we're like, just rest, just rest. And then uh, one of the things she has a heart for, and you guys might not have noticed it, um, but I think it's awesome. She um, has experience with an education in uh, autism. And we have uh, several autistic families in, in our church, which is a blessing, huge blessing. Several autistic kids. And one of the kids um, is an older boy who's nonverbal. Uh, with Josh, you guys probably met him. He's, he's, he's again great, great kid, but he, he really can't communicate that much. He, uh, but he's, but he's here, man. He, he'll give a hug if he's in the mood for a hug. He'll give a high five if he's in the mood for high five. He will completely ignore you if he's in the mood to ignore you. It just, <laughs> just depends on the moment. Um, and one of the things that Angie has started doing is, um, since Josh can't sit in here and just like be. Uh, and he can't really be in the kids' bar and just be. What he loves to do is watch VeggieTales. So we hook him up up in the upper room. And uh, he, does, well, he doesn't, I don't know how much uh, VeggieTales he watches. He loves watching the theme song over and over and over. That's how he's deep. But she travels between church and up there and in the foyer area to make sure that Josh is taken care of and also has some great new ideas for how we can be welcoming to our autistic families. Uh, so that's some of the things that God's been doing that I just love seeing that's going on with our community. I'm, I'm curious what he does with it from there. So that's some examples there. Let's go to community. Um, and community can drive into two different areas and should drive into two different areas. That's both local and uh, global. Uh, we're seeing some new opportunities there. We, we, um, first off, that diaper drive, you guys knocked that out of the ballpark. That was awesome. Emily and I got to take those over to First Presbyterian Church uh, Friday morning. And uh, it was really cool because they came out as a nice older couple. Jenny knows them, you know, because it's a loving ministry. And they came out to the door with a sh like a shopping cart that they use in, in the building. Um, and so, you know, we filled it up. And she's like, thank you so much. This is awesome. This is great. And we're like, no, you got to go unload. We've got, you know, more to go. And she's like, oh. And so she goes and unloads them. She comes back. We fill a second coat. And she's like peeing her pants. And then she takes that. And then we have like a couple armfuls because you guys just showed up. You guys really showed up to make a difference. And one of the funnest parts was at the end, uh, she was trying to figure out how to make everything fit in the closet they have for that. Uh, and, and that's just that abundance that was able to bless another church, to bless the community that you guys were a part of. And we're, we're ha we have more opportunities coming up, like the peanut butter and jelly is next month. Uh, we're going to collect that like mad. That's step one. Step two, and I really want to challenge you on this, the last Thursday of April, we're going to be here making 6, 12, 21 loaves of bread's worth of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So it's not just dropping them off, it's us putting them together so that they can take them into the community, to high-need areas, and feed families as part of their ministry. And I know that Katie is talking to uh, 
Amy, April, Amy, uh, who runs that. She's going to be here in a couple of weeks to talk to you guys uh, about the youth group meeting them uh, at those stops and being able to talk to families and help hand out sandwiches and stuff. So another great way to go into it. We've got Coin Drive coming up for uh, pregnancy distress centers, the rice bowls, if anybody remembers those little rice bowls that we did a few years ago that collect change. Um, if some might remember, if you're here long enough, I was throwing them out to people, and I uh, smacked... Uh, but April, no, uh, Angel Stone in the face with one by accident. Um, so this year, trying to get the two people. Um, but so we got those type of things going on. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm really excited about this, though. And this is both within the staff and people in our church. I hear people speaking community again. And we haven't heard that for a while. And one, that's good because it means COVID's going away. Or at least being, you know, the place where we're moving forward. Um, but both, again, in the staff and in individuals, I hear us saying we want to do this in the community. Do you remember when we used to do that? Let's do that again out in the community. Uh, Mike and I were meeting Friday, um, and we were talking. Mike, Mike's got some great ideas that he's working on uh, that you know we'll share with you when the time's right and whichever ones God's raises up. But um, we used to do a park event. The last couple times we did McKinley Park. Uh, and those have been around a long time. You'll remember we had like big inflatables out there. Um, a couple times ago, we had games out there. We had the band out there with the stage. Uh, and two two times ago, we did, I think we had like 600 people come out. We had free hot dogs and, and drinks and stuff. Uh, last time, I think we advertised it differently. I think we had a couple hundred people. That's a couple hundred people we could love on. Uh, and the, like, we were, so we we're talking about outdoor events. And again, not to go back to Jessica again, but Jessica just said like, two months ago, like, do you remember we used to do that? I'd, well, I'd like to do that again. Not like, I'd like you to do that again. I'd like to do that again. I'd like to be a part of that. So we're hearing a lot of a lot of movement of God moving some different ways there. Missions, I've been really happy with missions here lately between the check-ins and with Carlos. Uh, we just got, th- we didn't get a letter from Carlos for a long time with COVID. We just got three letters from him that he pretty much sent all within a week. And uh, Miss Audrey has those. I think the kids are going to be sharing those with you soon. And then, I don't know if you've seen, but we have Morgan Martin is a friend of Katie. She's uh, in Thailand right now doing missions over there. Uh, We've connected with her. Uh, Thanks to you guys' support, we get to cover uh, half of a rent each month. And here recently, she's been dealing with a scooter situation, or scooters dying on her. Uh, and it dies when she's in the middle of traffic. And that's not the same thing as it dies in the middle of Columbus traffic. Bangkok traffic is crazy, crazy. Um, and so, again, because you guys are supposed she has to raise $2,000, we said, we'll tell you what, we'll match dollar for dollar up to 1000 um, because of the mission funds that we have to be able to support her and help her. So we're thankful for that. And we're seeing some God opening up some new doors. Finances. Um, now it sounds like a family meeting. Um, I'm mostly talking about trends of things, and again, we all we all have our our victories and our struggles when it comes to financial faithfulness. And I get that, but one of the things that's been a trend for a long time is if, and I know this sounds like really harsh and just about the dollars, but I hope you see the the the, the heart behind it. If we had, let's say, a family, new family came to the church, and they started tithing, let's say, 200 bucks a month, I could almost guarantee you someone was either going to stop or leave that did $200 a month. 
I mean, for like several years, we were just constantly at this level of meeting that, that need budget, but it wouldn't go above that. You know, so whatever God's doing with that, what people's doing that, that's kind of a, this is the first time in a while. Now, again, last month, it was a huge uh, financial blessing. We had a, two big financial gifts on top of our giving. But beyond that, um, we're seeing that start to grow closer and closer towards what brings freedom. And in our side budgets, like kids and worship and youth and everything else, we're seeing a freedom that we've not seen for three or four years where they can do the ministry without worrying about, okay, how are we going to kind of make this work? There, there's just a new freedom in that area that's starting to move that, that I'm excited about. Um, there's also, and all, all these will be anonymous, we're also starting to see us move forward in a new way when it comes to offerings above tithes. Not everybody, but just in, in some that... Will you please turn off your phone, please? Oh, you know it's best? <laughs> that was an alarm for some reason. It wasn't even someone calling me. That's no fun. Um, but like, like we've had, it comes to mind, I know one family that's like the kind of family that if uh, somebody has a need or the church has a need, come talk to us about it, and oftentimes they can help out with that. Um, that's been there for a while. So it's not like it's brand new, but like, Within the last year, uh, we have one family that decided that they want to be an uh, anonymous $100 giver. And like once or twice a month, they'll give $100 to something that they just want to encourage, whether that be uh, one of the side budgets, whether it be a need in the church, whether it be an elder or a staff member that they just want to give an extra bonus to, or whatever the case would be, that, that's a huge en uh, encourager. Um, and I'm not excited by that because it's 100 bucks. I'm excited by that because of the heart. And let me explain that further. At the, during the same time, over the last couple of months, uh, we have another family that gives that, like many of us, have struggled back and forth, but they're, they're tithing and uh, in a situation that that could be rather tight. But they've gotten into the habit that when they go to Giveify and they tithe, then there's all the side budgets, too, that you can donate straight to those who Giveify. And they uh, have been giving $3 to each one of those uh, side, side uh, budgets as well. You know, so building fund, worship team, youth group, whatever. And, and you might think, well, $3. Um, and I know some churches that would think that. Um, if you think that, go back and look at Jesus with the woman with the two coins and then come back and talk to me again. That's awesome. That, that, that's a heart for, for in a place of need of giving extra. And I'm so very encouraged by that. I'm so encouraged we have one family that every time that they put in the check in the memo field, it says thanks with a smiley face for years. I love that. Um, and I'm sure she's talking to God, not us, but uh, well, it should be. Um, I'm very encouraged. By we just had, you might saw on Facebook, it's kind of double dip now, but um, I came up here Wednesday and uh, you guys are now thinking, yeah, he really does talk a lot before we even get to the scripture. We're going to be all day. Uh, but there's this big old box up on the porch from Amazon, which means I start going, what did I order from Amazon? And I'm thinking it through, and I bring it inside, and I open it. And if you saw on Facebook, someone had sent this big box of snacks for the kids. Uh, and, and from, from the, it says who it is, but it's anonymous, you know, to the church. And... Um, 
Then they got rice crispy treats and uh, juice and cheese. That's the part I left for the kids. The rest I took. But the the <laughs> cheese. And it's a situation where it's not somebody who has a ton of extra money. Matter of fact, before I've mentioned anybody, I touched base with that family. I said, "Are you sure this is not a hardship?" And they're like, "Yep, absolutely. This has been on a hard for a while." And so we did it, and we shared it on Facebook as a celebration, and Audrey was really touched by it and stuff. I came to my office this morning, there's another freaking big box of that stuff in there, of all this other stuff, that just came as, a, as box two, that we didn't even know was coming. Just, just what, a, what a blessing to see people generous, faithful, and going beyond the bare minimum. It, we're just seeing some new things I'm excited about uh, that I think he's moving with. Unity. Um, we all see more unity with uh, other churches on a very purposeful way, relationship-wise. I was telling Mike uh, the other day that I've got, uh, there's several ministerial groups that I'm part of on some level, um, but there's four other guys, there's five of us total that have just become friends. And we have a deal that we get together once, twice, three times a month. Uh, we don't uh, plan events. We don't network. We are just pastors who get what it's like to be pastor, and we're just buddies. Uh, and I'm really enjoying that, and it's opening up some doors uh, ministry-wise as well. Uh, we see more people working together. Um, and I, again, not to overly shout out, and Angie Tanner doesn't like what I talk about, so I'm not going to say her name. But, um, <laughs> I mean, many people have said to me, they, they noticed Angie Tanner, she's a special lady. She's a neat lady, and God and lets God use her and work through her. And uh, one of the things she's passionate about is just, again, being an encourager to, to others. And... Um, an example that I ha and also getting people together on a, an, uh, just a relationship way, but we uh, she did a um, or she spoke with others a um, leaders appreciation mill that for the elders and for the staff members and spouses and um, and I mean like mill it wasn't like we showed up and they're like hey here's Pizza Hut good job you know it was it was like. They, they did the bomb. It was like going to a real nice restaurant. We had options, all the kinds of stuff. And uh, I don't know, that night there must have been eight or nine people that were here between working the kitchen and being um, servers or waiters or waitresses, or in Melissa's case, the very late waiter when it comes to refills. No, I'm just kidding. You were on it. You were on it. You were on it. Uh, and then later I saw these pictures um, of them cooking the food. Was that at your house, Angie, I think? Uh, and, and I'm looking at these, at all the folks that were involved, and first off, that's touching, but second, I'm like, how does she even know some of these people? Because with COVID or sickness or other things, I haven't even seen them for months. You know, they, they have, maybe there's like one person that's been, I've been reaching out to for like two years that's, that's gotten out of the habit of church, and she's there just cooking away or whatever. And it's, it's like, I was just so impressed at the community that we see on a relational level right now. Uh, and just how natural it's, it's coming. It's not something that we're programming. It's something that's happening naturally. I love seeing that uh, within the unity. Uh, to the point that Emily, just a couple of days ago, um, she said the church is really peaceful right now. It's just a real unity of church. And because um, she's been around for a long time now. She's 15 years old. We generally found that about every three years we have some kind of uh, situation, you know, that you, you work through and you... You deal through, and it's a, but it's been, I don't know if it's COVID or what, but it's, it's been a while. So all day's coming again, because that's how Satan works. But for my daughter at 15 to say, there's just such a good family here right now. I thank you guys for giving that to my daughter. 
I thank you guys for that. So I'm very excited about these things. Again, challenges will come. Satan will come against it. We know, we've been learning how to build and defend at the same time. Uh, but those are just some of the things I think God is moving in. And um, this one dream I shared with you guys, but I didn't share yet on purpose, was um, the one that Greg, Greg Young had, where there was an older woman who was the associate pastor here. Yes, the older woman being the Holy Spirit. Uh, and why she's the associate, and I'm not, I don't know. But uh, that's how it was in the dream. And long story short, the biggest part of it was that there's these, I shared with you guys, these big windows up here. And that uh, when they opened up, it was just a flood of the Holy Spirit, just this wind coming into this room and overwhelming us. And I purposely asked him later, I said, who opened the windows? I said, did they, they just magically open? Did we open the windows? He said, oh, no, the, the woman opened the windows. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. Some of the things I'm talking about, I think, are new rooms. Some of the things that are happening naturally, I think, are things that uh, God is moving in in such mighty ways. Um, a lot of our, even our thought process on how we do outreach is more about showing the community what church looks like um, instead of sending out postcodes. You know what I mean? I, I think the Spirit's just been, let's look at some things that some new, new way, again, not to keep coming back to Mike, but when we were talking about, uh, about this, the number one most effective way to reach our community is you. Your, your invites, your testimony, your evangelism. That's the number one most impactful thing. Over any billboard, any postcard, anything else that we can do, it's, it's you and me on a relational level. What we do as a church is we provide a foundation to make that easier for you so that you have something to believe in here to invite them to. Um, and so if you are inviting somebody at work to church and they say, hey, is that, is that the church that just did that diaper drive I saw on Facebook that was working with another church? Yeah, that's my church. Those, those type of things, it's more of an outreach than some of the other traditional ways. There's just a lot going on. That's a, I think it's going to be good things of opening, opening into these areas. But if we're going to really lean into that aspect of, okay, if the Holy Spirit's going to open the windows, does that mean we have absolutely nothing to do with it except for wait? And I don't think that's the case. And that's the part that I want to get into scriptural with you, because I think right now it's very important that we start looking at what our posture will be before the Lord as, as we go through the situation. So if you didn't already take the invitation, let's do it now, Judges 6. And uh, we're going to go through a scripture that I went through with the elders a couple of meetings ago. A lot of times I like to, when it feels like God's doing something, I like to get their input, and uh, we do it as a study together. And we're going to look at the 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 situation of a very reluctant prophet named uh, Gideon. Now, when I say reluctant, he's not like Jonah who ran away, but he's very much like Moses at the bony bush. A lot of excuses, a lot of fear, a lot of God be patient with me, but can you prove yourself to me? And uh, I just want to go through his story for a second. I think that's going to lead us into posturing, and then we're going to see an actual example of it in the New Testament as well. But just jumping around in verse 6 a little bit, starting out in verse 1, um, it, it says the people of Israel, so God's people, the church, right, did what was evil on the side of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian uh, seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of, the Midian, of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So they're completely overwhelmed. It's a long season of uh, being chased. It's a long season of hiding in the mountains. Uh, my dad was joking the other day. 
about if the world keeps going the way it's going, he's going to go back down to uh, Tipton, West Virginia, and make himself a, a hold up in a cave someplace and just take his guns and his food and his, his cat, and he'll be fine, right? So but it was this kind of thing. They were under this, this oppression. If you jump down to verse 7, it, then the, the people of Israel, now they're in hardship because of what they, they put themselves in, but they cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, and the Lord said, a prophet to the people of Israel. And that's where we're going to catch up with Gideon, verse 11. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the, yep, okay, so the angel of the Lord, hey now, uh, <laughs> sound boost getting a little riled up, uh, Angel of the Lord, oftentimes, there's many scholars who believe, and I personally believe as well, when you come across the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you're coming across Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, there, there are some different views on that, but that's the one I subscribe to. So if you look at it from that standpoint, Jesus came and sat down under the terabith at Oprah, Oprah's everywhere, TV everywhere. Okay, um, and it belonged to Josh, da, 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 and he has a son named Gideon. That's who I'm trying to get out. And Gideon's there, and so the, the angel of the Lord's watching him, beat out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So make no mistake, this is someone who's oppressed. He's someone who's afraid of the enemy. He's hiding his property so that they don't steal it. This is, this is not somebody who's, who's coming off victorious. In 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Why, if the Lord is real, then why am I going through this situation? I don't know if you've ever thought that thought, but the world does all the time. Now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. So in verse 14, the Lord turned to him, and that's a great, great, there's the details there for a reason. Gideon's afraid, and he's feeling overwhelmed, and he feels like he's, he's lost. Jesus turns to him. In those moments, Jesus comes to us, right? So he turns to Gideon and said, go in this might of yours. So he's speaking to what's in him, not what he's feeling. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? So Gideon said, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, right, Manish, Manish, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And, he, and then Gideon said back, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Okay, so just like Moses, the burning bush, there's these constant excuses of why he won't work. I'm the least of these, the whole nine yards. And then when he finally starts to think, okay, maybe something's here, he says, and I find this humorous, but it tells us something about the character of Jesus. He says to Jesus, if it's really you, let me go prepare for you a meal. And Jesus is like, well, I got nothing going for the next 45 minutes. I guess I'll just sit here and waiting for you to do a meal because you don't have to. You know, and Jesus is like, okay. And it, because that's what Gideon needed in the moment. That's how patient he is with us. And according to the rest of this, and I encourage you to read the, the rest of this chapter when you get home today, he goes and makes this meal. He brings it back to the angel of the Lord, puts on the rock. He looks at it and says, that looks good. And fire comes from inside the rock. It consumes it, and it's gone. 
And he goes, well, it's a pretty good sign. I like that. Okay, yeah, I think I'll follow you along a little while. So now he doesn't stay there. I would think that would be enough at this point. But as we continue, he's like, okay, what should I do? He goes, well, your father's got an idol to bomb it to destroy that. So he destroys that. But then he starts getting scared again. And he says, look, I've got this fleece blanket. You guys know this story? This is going to be in the latter part of six. I have this fleece blanket. I'm going to put it out on the ground. And when I come back, if it's truly you, let it be soaking wet. And so he leaves. He comes back. He soaking wet. It's heavy. He wings it out. Gets it all dried and everything. And then he puts out again, exact same environment, exact same place, everything else. He goes, okay, now, ha-ha, next time I come, let it be dry. And he comes back. And uh, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he finds it more funny than annoying. But he... God plays along, and it comes out dry and stuff. He's like, okay, I'll follow you again. And so then they, they start talking about the plan of destroying the Midianites. That's where we come to chapter 7. It says, Then Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early in a camp beside the spring of Harad. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moab in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, now get this, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, let Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand to save me. So Gideon, who's already peeing his pants, right? I think that's the second time he used that phrase today. Is, is thinking, we're going to lose because we don't have enough guys. We have 32,000 guys, and they are huge. They are numerous. And God says, hey, let me give you a different opinion. I think you've got too many. So we need to whittle this down. And so, so they can't boast for themselves. and wants to make sure it's a miracle. He says uh, to him in verse 3, Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let go home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. And about 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Just got his army cut in a third when they were already too small. Not fun for Gideon. Verse 4, The Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Let's take them down to the water, and I'll test them for you there, and any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you, and anyone I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue like a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lap, put their face down in the water, Putting their hands, uh, wait, I'm sorry, those who lapped by bringing it up, sorry, was 300 men, but all the rest knelt down like a dog and to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands and let all others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. So from 32,000 down to 300. Now, with God's help, we're going to put a picture up. It's kind of go old Sunday school looking here for you. Got ding. This is the, the, the image of what we, what we have. The three guys with their faces down, that's lapping like a dog. Okay, and we're going to leave this up for a second, Scott. And then you've got the one guy that's knelt down with, with his spear in his hand that he's bringing the water up into his mouth. Why would God choose? I mean, if this is a test then why would God choose the 300 that will knelt down instead of those who are lapping up like a dog? It's their position. It's their positioning. Uh, and I think this is an important part for us in our faith walk with God, is how do we position ourselves to receive what God has for us? If the enemy came upon them in a surprise attack, what's the difference between those two postures? Your face is down in the water, you're not going to see the enemy coming. 
you, you've got your weapon off to the side because you're supporting yourself. So at the best, if somebody comes, you've got your back exposed. You might jump up in surprise. It's going to take you a couple seconds to fill around to get your weapon. Then you're going to have to get up on your hands and then to your knees, to your feet, to be able to stand. It's not a posture that's ready for battle. If you're kneeling, you can see the enemy coming. If you're kneeling and your staff is supporting you, you've got your weapon in your hand. If your staff is beside you, you can grab your staff very quickly, and it's only one move to stand to fight. There's a difference in the positioning. There's a difference in the expectation. There's a difference in how they handled themselves. So I think there's something very important about positioning ourselves to receive what the Holy Spirit does that we have no control over. No control over. So has there ever been a time, scripturally, that the church has been in this position before that might give us some things to think about. Acts chapter 1. You can lose your place there, judges. You can go back and study it some more if you'd like. But this one's a little bit more of a well-known section in the scripture with the very early church. Again, just to lay the foundation. Right after Jesus' death comes his resurrection. He spends 40 days with the apostles and with his followers. It's about 140 people total. And he tells them before he leaves, What? Go out in all the world, uh, lead people to Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Take and uh, com command each other and teach each other to obey all the commandments that we have. We have discipleship, have community with one another. In Acts 1, he says right before he leaves, make sure you do this in your hometown. Make sure you do this in your country. Make sure you do this with people that are different than you. And make sure that you do this in all the world. It's a very big order, a very big commandment, a very big mission that is still going today for you and I. And after he ascends into heaven, no, I'm sorry, right before he ascends to heaven, we know what he says. We just talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Don't do this without the Holy Spirit. Go back to the upper room, be in, be in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. You don't need to know what it's going to look like. You understand when it gets there. That's a lot of times how dreams and visions work. But they go, and they go back up to the upper room. Verse 12 is where we're going to pick it up a little bit. And it says, they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoted themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. There were three things that they do to position themselves for the Holy Spirit. Number one, if you're a note-taker, they did not get in front of the Holy Spirit. They just didn't get in front of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got to do his part before you and I can do, do the other. We know that he's got uh, the power that we do not have. They did not go out trying to do it on their own. Uh, that didn't mean they didn't have anything to do. Right after this is when they, Peter stood up and said, Look, Judas betrayed Jesus and killed himself. We need to replace him with another man. They raised up Matthias because they didn't know what it was going to look like, but we probably should be fully staffed if God's doing this. Right? So they prepared what they could, but they didn't get in front of the Holy Spirit. That's important for us today as well. Um, the second thing they had was fellowship. They were united. That's why I'm excited that we're seeing things within that area, that they were together. They were devoted together. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in that room during those 10 days with all of the disciples, the mother of Jesus, the, the ladies, Mary Magdalene and the other ladies that followed him, and his brothers who just a week before, or no, let's say a month before, thought he, he was, was a complete fraud. And they're there devoted 
to fellowship. They're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to leaning into. Fellowship and unity with each other is extremely important. And we need to follow the scriptural practices to get there and be together. And then the third one is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And I think God has been growing us in some areas with that over the last year as well. And through their prayers, that dedication and that communication with God, is worshiping through prayer, through seeking Him in prayer, um, that's where we see the movement come into place. That, that was their positioning. I think there is a difference between, Scott, if you go back to that picture again. I, I just think there's a difference between acting like a dog, lapping it up. And I think that's what we do when we're lukewarm Christians, just living in this world and not paying attention to the enemy. But when we're praying and we're fellowship, we're in community together, we're seeking God together, then we're ready for the battle. Because the battle will come. The battle will come. Now, with that, that's why when we came up time for Lent, um, that I said this year we, we won't focus in on Lent as a church. You're definitely, I, I pray that many of us are. I pray that your fast is going incredible. I pray your seeking of God is going incredible. But there's some other things to pray for us as a church to do. And we're going to be... Um, talking about that more and more as we go. But one thing I'm going to be introducing uh, today is coming up, and that's why I'm going to need this one for it. Oh, the back is not working. I hope that's blank. Is that blank? Yeah. Hey, youth group, I stole your tripod. That's okay, you stole it from me. I got to get you guys one. During Holy Week, again, we've had classic Holy Weeks where we have something on Thursday night and Friday night for Good Friday and and Sunday. Um, We will not be having community night on Holy Week, but we will be starting our 24-hour day of prayer as a church together. Uh, And then Thursday night, we will be having a communion service that will be the conclusion of our time of prayer together that will also include prayer corporately. And so what the opportunity that you have is I'm asking us as a church to commit to a period of time during this 25-hour period to be praying. Now, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I can pray. There's a 15-minute block. You can take as many blocks as you want. Um, and some people are like, I, don't, I can't pray for 15 minutes. We're going, we're going to provide for you the, ty- the, the things that we'll be praying over. Uh, so suggestions, you can pray over things as well. But praying for the church and our community is what we're going to be praying over for 24, uh, 24 hours straight. Um, you'll see it's all broken down into 15 minutes. It, as the Lord leads, you take this red one and these blank ones, and you just put your initials in whatever blocks that you want. Does that make sense so far? If you are somebody that has free time during the nights, and you do 6 p.m., I'm going to smack you. Do the night. Do the night time. If you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning anyways, we'd love to do that. Because 6 o'clock, we're going, everybody can do it. If you don't work a job during the day, please sign up during the day. Those are the hardest times. But just as, as, as God leads within that. The commitment I will make is whatever blocks do not get filled out, I will do as the pastor. Um, so that's why I'm saying do 3 a.m. if you can do 3 a.m. Uh, I'll shout out to my wife. She always does... Uh, we've done it two other times in our history, and she always does like 2 to 3 a.m. to make sure I get a little sleep somewhere. But just fill those up. If you get up here, and I'm going to put it back here at, at the end of church, you get up here, and the only time that you can do it is 6 p.m., and someone else has already put their initials there, if that's the only time you can do it, 
just put your initials beside theirs. It's not that formulated. But we're going to pray for 24 hours because I think God's calling us to get on our knees. And then we'll come together and take communion and pray together. Does that make sense? So, I, I think I was all positive. So that's what, what we're introducing today. We start Wednesday the 13th and we'll go through the, uh, the 14th and we'll just see what God's doing with it as we go. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.